0: All right. Y'all give it up for the band. Come on. Put those hands together. That's what I'm talking about. How is everybody today? Everybody good? Yeah. All right. Man, you guys are so much fun and we're going to have fun tonight. All right. So make sure you got something to write with. Make sure you're ready to roll and uh, let's get after it. Uh, I want you to hang on to a phrase tonight as we get started. Here's the phrase. Ready? People react to people. Hang on to that phrase and I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. But people react to people. And, uh, several years ago, well, I can tell you how many years ago. Ready? 17 years ago, I got married. <laughs> okay. I can remember it. Um, like it was yesterday and it really wasn't. All right. But, uh, got married and my wife and I bought our first house. And, uh, and so, um, My parents decided, after we had bought our first house, that they were going to come up and visit us. And so uh, my dad called and said, hey, Chris, we're going to drive up from Louisiana. We were living in Tennessee at the time. We're going to come up and see you guys. And I said, great. Well, what you have to understand about my dad is that he is a he's a yard freak, okay? Like, he likes um, yards to be perfect, okay? Like, edged, just perfectly mowed, just right. He likes the flower beds to have fresh mulch in them and the in the shrubs and the bushes to look like Disneyland this is my dad all right and he's what I call a yard freak okay and so we had just moved in this house and the and the couple previous to us had not taken care of the yard very good now let me tell you a little something about me I am not a yard freak nor do I care okay and uh I would rather pay someone to cut my grass than go out there and spend all that time doing it myself. That's just kind of who I am. And so for me, on that day, my mom and dad were coming up for the first time to see our new house. I needed to get out there and make the yard presentable. So I go into the garage and I start looking for, you know, weed eater, lawnmower stuff that you need but the really the bad thing I had to get to was our flower beds in this uh we had this giant uh tree bush thing I don't know what you call it tree bush right yeah all right we had a tree bush and uh it was out there and it was nasty it looked like straight out of National Geographic from somewhere and so I was like dude I got to do something with the tree bush and so I go into my garage and I'm looking around and I find um I find this really cool toy called an electric hedge clipper, okay? And uh, these are the things that you, this wasn't a gas-powered one. You had to plug it into the wall with an extension cord, okay? So you plug this thing in, and then you press a button, and it goes, and it like chops down stuff. I thought, this is cool, all right? and So I was chasing the cat around. No, I'm kidding. All right, so I got this thing out, and um, I go out to attack the bush tree thing tree bush thing whatever and i go over there and i'm like and stuff's flying i'm all like man this is cool i should put some goggles on and look official all right so i'm like and then stuff's flying and all this stuff and then i got down on the other side of the tree bush and i'm like and i got stuck on this limb or this thicker branch thing you with me and i'm like and i'm trying to cut it but it won't cut and i'm like And then finally I cut through it and I stuck the electric hedge clipper straight in the ground. Poop, Stuck straight in the ground. So now I go to pull the electric hedge clipper out of the ground. When I pull it out of the ground, it's in there pretty good because I went through that branch really hard because I was bearing down on it so much. When I pulled it out of the ground, I stepped back with it like this. All of a sudden I heard a noise. And here's the noise I heard. Ready? And I thought... I killed something, okay, and then I hear it again, and I got down and out of the ground shot hornets. Now listen, how many of y'all have ever been attacked by bees or something similar to that? Do you know people act crazy when like one bee comes after them? Well, I had like a million hornets come out of the ground, okay, so I'm standing here with the electric hedge clipper and... Hornets fly on the ground, and I go crazy, okay, because I am now running for my life. Bees are coming after me, and so all of a sudden, I take the electric hedge clipper, and it becomes a weapon, all right, and I am in the front yard all of my neighbors are out on this day, right? It just happened to be that my neighbors, the new guy in town, is acting like a freak show in his driveway, and they're all out there. And I take the electric hedge clipper, and on my first swing at the hornets, I cut the electric cord in half. So now I've got no power. But Steve, it did not matter because I'm gonna Hong Kong fooey these bees. I'm like yeah, yeah, you know, running down my driveway. This is a true story they're chasing me. It's not cool at all. And they're chasing me and stinging I'm like, I'm swinging and all this. And all my neighbors watched me. They did not come to help. They did not lend a helping hand or call 911. They watched me. And across the street, I have this old couple, and they're watching me fight these bees. And they're like, I told you he was weird. I got this old Chinese guy that lives on the corner that smokes cigarettes. He's like... Whoa! And then uh, this uh, this other couple riding their bikes down the street, and she looks at her husband. She goes, "I told you he was on crack cocaine, you know." And I'm out there fighting bees with all of my life. But here's the thing: on that day, listen to me. I got stung five times. It was worth it. I killed a bunch more. But here's the thing: on that day, what I realized was this: is that people always react to people. I got a reaction out of everyone. I wasn't trying to get it, but I got it. And in the same way, how you live, people react to you. What you say to your friends, they react to you. Your parents react to you. People always will react to people. And in saying that tonight, I want to talk to you about what it means to be an urgent, bold person. Witness. What does it mean to be a witness? On that day, all of my neighbors witnessed me acting a fool in my driveway. And what I want to ask you tonight is, what does it take for you to be an urgent, bold witness for Jesus? What is it going to take for you to cause a reaction from the people around you that make them wonder about why you're different? about why you don't talk like everybody else, or do the same things that other people do. Why is that? Well, before we can even talk about what it means to be an urgent, bold witness for Christ, you have to understand what it means to be a witness. So let me give you a definition. Look at the screen real quick. A witness is someone, it's right here on the screen. A witness is someone who sees with their eyes, who hears with their ears, Or knows something by their personal presence, by being there, right? In other words, this person can give an account or a testimony as to what just happened. Let me say it again. A witness is someone who sees with their own eyes, that hears with their own ears, or experiences something by their personal presence, and then as a result, they are able to give an account or a personal testimony of what just happened. Let me give you an example. Uh, five or six years ago, LSU, I know y'all heard a lot about LSU this week. God bless you. I know y'all don't want to hear any more about LSU after this week. All right, Alabama, Auburn fans, go get them, whatever y'all do. All right, big elephants and war eagles. That, And then Auburn has like nine mascots. They can't decide, but that's another thing. All right, so... ADD I'm back okay so here's the thing my dad calls me and he's like LSU's opening up go and put that picture up he goes LSU is going to play the first game of the season against Oregon and it's going to be at Cowboy Stadium the new Jerry Jones place that's massive it's awesome I've been there several times and my dad calls me he's like I got 50 yard line tickets you want to go I'm like I'm in All right. So my dad comes and picks me up. We go over to this game. It's on a Saturday night. It's an eight o'clock kickoff. It's on ESPN, the whole deal. And, and so we're there. And so here's the next slide. This is me and my dad at the game. Okay. That's, that's proof that I was there. Okay. And I'm just going to tell you, we gave a butt kick into Oregon, but that's another story. All right. So we're there. And here's the thing that night, my dad and I, We were witnesses of that game. We saw the game with our own eyes. We heard the crowd noise. We experienced everything going on in the arena for ourselves. We were our presence. We had a presence there. We felt it. We saw it. We heard it. In other words, when I went to church the next morning and talked about being at the game, I could give a personal testimony. An account of what I saw, of what I heard, and what I experienced it. Why? Because I was there. It happened to me. I was there. And guys, listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have seen him move in your life. You have heard him speak to your heart. And he has inhibited your body. Your presence of knowing God has taken over your life. You have experienced it yourself. Therefore, you can give an account of what Jesus has done in you, unlike anyone else, because it is your personal Testimony. That's what it means to be a witness. And everyone gets incredibly nervous when we start talking about sharing our faith. You want to know why? One word. Everybody look at me fear. That's it. We get nervous when people start talking about sharing their faith because we're fearful. What will they think about me? How will they respond to me? What if they don't invite me to this or that? They think I'm weird. Fear. All that is is fear. And here's the thing. Most of us in the room would say this. If I go share my faith with someone and I tell them about what Jesus has done in me based on my personal witness... Most of us would say, whoever we share with, if they were to accept Christ, we would almost all of us would say, that's a winning situation. That's a good thing, right? That's best case scenario. And then there's this other thing that could happen. We could tell someone about Jesus Christ and they could go, you know what? I appreciate you telling me that, but I'm just not ready to trust in Christ right now. And that's what we call planting the seed or putting it in their mind or whatever. And you can walk away and almost all of us would say that was a positive winning situation. Am I right? But then there's this third thing that can happen, which we call rejection. Where maybe they don't like what we're saying to them. Or maybe they don't agree with what we're saying as a result of our witness... And we would almost all walk away from that. And we would say being rejected for our witness is a bad thing. Because at the end of the day, look at me. That's what we're fearful of. But if you look in the Bible, I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. Can you all jot these down real quick? I don't know if they're going to flap on the screen or not. Let me give you a couple of scriptures to reference. If you look in the Bible and you look at 1 Peter chapter 4, Verse 14, it says this. Hey, look, there it is. It says this. It says, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Whoa, 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 read that again. You don't believe me? Read it again. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of the glory of God rests upon your life. So if someone insults you because of your witness of your belief in Jesus and you're trying to share with them, you're actually blessed because the spirit of the glory of God rests upon you in that moment. I want the spirit of the glory of God resting upon my life. I want to be blessed. Here's another scripture. Write this one down so you can go look at it later. Write this scripture down, Luke chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. It says this, it says, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, and they insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. Whoa! What's that saying? That we should rejoice when we're rejected for the name of God because there'll be reward for us in heaven one day. Who in here doesn't want the spirit of the glory of God upon their life to be blessed by God and to have reward in heaven one day? None of us. All of us want that. And so really, if you look at it through biblical eyes, every time you share your faith, it's a winning situation. If they accept Christ, that's a win. If you plant a seed, that's a win. If they reject you based on the scriptures, it is a win. And so why don't we look at it that way? Why don't we view it that way? Well, what I want to do tonight is talk to you all just very Boldly about what it means to be an urgent to have urgency in your life and to be bold with your personal testimony your witness your experience with Jesus So if you have a bible turn it to matthew and go to the great commission go to chapter 28 Matthew chapter 28, and let's look at what the Bible says about this. Now, let me give you some context of what's going on in this passage. Jesus has died on the cross. He has risen from the grave. He has showed up to people, and people have seen the scars in his hands. His disciples have touched uh, his side where the spear was put to make sure he was dead. There's there's freakiness going on because everyone's going surely jesus is the messiah he is the son of god no one's ever risen from the dead claimed it before it happened risen from the dead plus the prophets had come a thousand years before jesus had ever come on the scene and said the messiah is coming he will be crucified for the sins of the world he will resurrect again he will be the messiah of the world so all this is coming to fruition and people are recognizing that jesus is the messiah the true son of god the one that takes away the sins of the world, the one that if we believe in him and ask him to save us, will save us from our sin, will allow us to walk over our sin into fellowship with God in a relationship that ends in heaven with God one day. And so all this is going on. And Jesus knows that now it is time for him to ascend back to heaven. And so he gathers his team around him. His closest followers, his disciples, he gets those guys around him and he gives them one last pep talk. He gives them one last talk before he ascends into heaven. And this is what he says to them. So look at your Bible. He says this, starting in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But yet still some were kind of still doubting. Sounds like human people to me. Look what he says, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, and this is where the letters in your Bible turn red. Then Jesus turned to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, verse 19, therefore you go and make disciples of all nations. If you read the uh, eyewitness account in the book of Mark, one book over, he'll say you go into all the world and preach the gospel. And baptize them. In this account it says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, of all people. And you baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded unto you. And then he closes it by saying this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of it all. To the very end of the age is what he says. And so tonight I want to give you three things to hang on to. when it, What it means to be an urgent, bold witness for Christ. Number one, write this word down. It's one word. The first word is go. Isn't that brilliant? Go. Look here at Acts. Um, right here in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on who? You. And who? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and you witness what God has done in you, you become God's witness to the world. Just like the disciples became God's witnesses, they were eyewitnesses of everything Jesus had done. They saw Jesus heal the blind, make the lame to walk. They saw Jesus teach. They saw him feed the 5,000. The disciples were witnesses of Jesus and the work that he had done in their life. And they were there when Jesus died on the cross. They were there when he rose from the grave. They were there when he gave them this talk and ascended into heaven. Therefore, those disciples were Jesus' witnesses. They could give an account of what they saw with their eyes, what they had heard with their own ears. And by them personally being there, they could give a personal testimony to how Jesus changed their life and other people's lives. And they went out in the book of Acts and started the church that's still changing lives to this day through Jesus' name. He says you are to go. Where do you go? Look at me. You are commanded to go into your world. What is your world? Who is your friend group? Who are the people that mean the most to you in your life? That is, my friends, look at me. You're Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We are commanded. It's not a suggestion. Go as an action. Word we are commanded to go into all the world and to preach the gospel and to make disciples That's what it says I told y'all other morning that several years ago. God put on my heart to go to Romania And before I went to Romania the first time I encountered a guy. We became really good friends and I want to tell you his name His name is pastor joseph Stefanutz. He's romanian That's why he has a weird name, okay? But his name's Joseph Stefanutz, and Joseph Stefanutz has been called the founding father of Christianity in the country of Romania. If you don't know much about the country of Romania, as I did my research, what I found out from my research and talking with Pastor Stefanutz is this, is that Romania was under the rule of communism for years and years and years, and the dictator of the time in Romania, of this time when this was taking place, was Ceșescu. And the way Ceșescu ruled his country was this. If you did not do what Ceșescu wanted you to do, he would turn off the power to your city. If you did not do what he wanted you to do, he would turn off the water supply to your city until you did what, you, what, what he wanted you to do. And if you were ever found to be worshiping Jesus Christ, you were put into jail and put to death. Joseph Stefanutz was the leader of the underground church in Romania during this time. And every day, Cecefcu in the city of Bucharest would, would summon the people to come to the square in front of the palace. And they would get out there and Szeski would come out on his balcony. And he would lead the people in this chant. God is dead. God is dead. God is dead. And if you did not chant that, you were thrown into jail. And Pastor Stephanutes used to go out on his balcony during this time when they would chant that. And he would lay face down. On his balcony for years and years and years. And he would pray that one day that God would be alive in the country of Romania. The day communism falls in the country. Susevsky taking our leadership. The day communism falls. It's Pastor Stefanutz that walks out onto his balcony and starts to chant, God is alive, God is alive, God is alive. Pastor Stephanutz was my friend. A man of God who prayed 30 years for the freedom of Christ to be able to be expressed in that country. And I want you to know, as I go every year, God is alive in that country All because of a faithful man. Who was thrown in prison. Who was beaten. Who saw family members killed. All for the sake of Christ. But it never kept him. From being the urgent bold witness. In his world. In his mission field. That God had called him to. Hey look at me. I hope nobody kills you. For being a witness. I hope the greatest thing you have to be afraid of is someone making fun of you. But guys, look at me. We're not called to be silent. We're called to go. We're not called to go let that guy do it. Let Chris Lovell do it. We're not called to do that. We are called to go and to be witnesses in our world. What's your mission field look like? And are you going? Second thing, write it down. Now, are we called to go? But I love this point because it makes no sense. Do what? What are we supposed to do? <laughs> That's I love this. It, 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 we're to go, but what are we supposed to do? Well, I'm going to give you a couple things that you're supposed to do. If you look at the scripture, look back into the scripture in verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, therefore you go. And here's what we're supposed to do. We are to make disciples of all nations. We are to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are to teach them the things of God we are to preach the gospel we are to make disciples we are to baptize them and we are to teach them the things of God that are that is what we are supposed to do and people ask me what am I supposed to do I know I'm supposed to go but what do I do well we are to go and to preach the gospel and the easiest way to preach the gospel is to share your testimony It is to share your witness of what you have seen God do in your heart. Of what you have heard God speak into your life. Of how you've experienced God move in your own life. It is your testimony. Look at me. People can argue with you about the church. People can argue with you about differences they may have with the Bible and anything else they can conjure up. But the one thing people cannot argue with you about is what God has done in your life because you're the one that witnessed it. Your witness, your testimony is the most powerful thing you have in your possession as a believer. And yet so many of us are silent. When we have people around us, people we love, teammates, best friends, family members around us that we love so much that we don't want to go to hell. That we don't want to see live a life without God. Yet we stay silent. Why? Because of fear. God tells us to go. I want to teach you a word tonight. Here's a word. Write this word down. Proselytize. Y'all are probably looking at that word going, what the heck? All right? I want to teach you an old school word. Word proselytize. Here's what it means. It means to recruit. I think there may be a slide that has it. It means to recruit or convert or attempt to convert. So if I share my witness with you, I'm attempting to convert you. I am attempting to persuade you that the God that saved my life can save your life. Proselytize. It's an old school word for something that the church has forgotten. And I think we've got lost people all wrong. On my basketball team, half of my team don't know Jesus. We're an evangelistic school, therefore, there are people in our school that don't know Christ. And on my basketball team, half of my players don't have dads, and so I am their dad. And it's been a hard year because of that. And half of them don't know Christ, and it's been a hard year because of that. I saw two of them come to faith in Christ this year. We're baptizing those two in the next month before one of them goes to Vanderbilt to play basketball. And before the other one starts his senior year. Because it is my responsibility as an urgent bold witness of Christ to proselytize. To share my story in hopes that God would change their life like he changed mine. And you know what I found out about lost people, people that don't know God? Is that they don't respect us at all when we don't share. See, we think they're going to get offended. But they don't really respect us at all if we don't share. In fact, they don't think our faith is real if we don't share. And I want to prove that to you tonight. I'm going to show you a video in just a minute. Let me set it up. I'm going to show you a video of an atheist. And this guy is still an atheist. He doesn't believe in God, but he is going to give you his honest response to encountering a Christian that tried to witness to him. And I want you to listen to his response. Now remember, this guy doesn't believe in God, but I want you to listen to his response to encountering this witness. Watch the screen.
1: I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, uh, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position. After I was all done, big guy, probably about my age, big guy, and um, he had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so we had the props from that in his hand because we give those away. He had the. The joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, I, eh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. And I wanted." It. And he was very complimentary about my use of language and... Um, Complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, "I brought this for you." And he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? uh, Psalms from the just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick. You know. He said I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. I and mean, then he said, "I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy." And he looked me right in the eye, and did all of this, and. uh it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist, but he was not uh, defensive and he looked me right in the eyes and he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, Uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know... There's no God. And one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, But I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man... That was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to
0: say. All right, so here's the deal. I've probably watched that video, I don't know how many times. It feels like a million, probably not true, but it feels that way. Here's what I can't get over. Ready? An atheist looking me in the eyes given an honest account of encountering a believer who was faithful to share, right? And you saw how impacted he was, right? And then he makes the statement, if you truly believe, then how much do you have to hate someone not to tell? Them? I can't get over that. It would be like me coming to camp and just getting up here and telling y'all stories and never telling you about God and giving you an opportunity to respond. That would be like me just wanting to please you guys and not tell you the truth. Hey, look at me. Your friends, your family members. The people in your life that don't know God, look at me. You don't hate them, do you? You're just scared. But guys, I'm here to tell you. I can't live the Christian life and not tell people about how God has changed me. If it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, and it is for me, then there'll never be a time where I don't tell, where I don't share. And it doesn't have to be like this, like what I'm doing right now. It's better one-on-one. I told you I was a student pastor for a lot of years, and at Prestonwood, we have a very large student ministry. On any Sunday morning, I would walk out and speak to 1500 students on a morning and that didn't count our other two campuses where i would get piped in so in the world's eyes listen to me i'm not bragging i'm just gonna i'm making a point steve will understand this because he knows so i probably had influence every sunday not counting midweek over a couple thousand students fair and in the world's eyes we were winning we we were considered one of the largest student ministries in the country i mean this was something for my ego right something to be proud of but yet i would get in my car and on this one morning i drive out of my neighborhood and i drive by hebron high school which i talked about this morning And we have 68 high schools that make up our high school ministry. Doesn't even count our middle school. And in that one high school are 6,000 students. And we're only touching 2,000. And we have 60 something high schools represented in our ministry. That morning. I got upset because I don't like to lose. And I really was burdened. And I went into the office, and I prayed. I called my staff in, and I said, this has got to change. And what I want to do is I want to share with you some practical things that we did that will help you share your faith. This is practical. And so we started praying and talking. And so the next Sunday morning, I got up and I walked out onto the platform like I'm standing before you now. And all of our students were sitting at tables. They had leaders, about eight, ten students at every table, filled a massive room. We get piped into the other campuses. I walk out onto the platform and I said, today's the day our ministry is changing. And they all kind of looked at me. And I said, today, we are going to start a four-week challenge where I am not going to save anyone or preach to anyone or give an invitation for anyone, but you guys are. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, so today, here is the first week of our four-week challenge. I said this week on your tables with your leader, there is a guide for you to help you be in the word of God for the next seven days until we come back again next Sunday. All of us are going to commit to be in the Word of God for seven straight days. Your leaders are going to text you every day and ask you what you learned from what you read out of the Scripture on the reading plan that we're going to be on for the next seven days. We're going to track together in the Word of God as we prepare to share our faith. I walked off the stage. That was my talk. Our leaders led the way. For the next seven days, our kids were in the Word of God for seven straight days. And texts were flying back and forth about what they learned. There was a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement about what God was speaking. And when we got together the next Sunday, they had a whole lot to talk about. Instead of looking at each other, going, who brought the donuts? And I walked back on the platform week two. Week two of the challenge. We're going to be in the Word of God another seven days. That would be how many days total? Fourteen. And now this week, on top of being in the Word of God, another seven days, reading plans on your table, we are going to double our prayer life this week. So if you typically pray for five minutes a day, you're going to pray for ten minutes a day this week. If you typically pray for thirty minutes a day, you're going to pray for an hour a day this week. I walked off the stage. That was my talk. And so for the next seven days, they were in the Word of God for another seven days. And they started doubling their prayer life. I walked back out on the stage the third week. This is when it got real. walked back out on the stage the third week. And I said, here's the third part of the challenge. We're going to be in the Word of God another seven days straight. The reading God's on your table. That would be 21 straight days in the Word of God. We're going to double our prayer lives again. So if you went from 5 minutes a day to 10 minutes last week, now you're going to 20 minutes. If you went from 30 minutes a day to an hour a day, now you're going to 2 hours a day. Think about what our lives and our ministries would be like if we talked to God for 2 hours a day. Do you know what the sin of the church is today? Prayerlessness. So we're going to double our prayer lives again. And tonight, by midnight, there's a card on your table. And at your tables, when I get done, every single one of you are going to write out your personal testimony. And there are three parts to every testimony. Listen to this. It's the before you knew God, what your life was like before you knew Christ. Christ. There is the experience you had with God when you asked God to save you. And then it's what your life has been like since walking with God. You have to have these three parts to know God. This is a testimony. Of what your life was like before God, the experience of accepting Christ and what that was like and what your life has been like since. This is your witness. And by midnight tonight, you're going to go home and you're going to get in front of your computer or you're going to get in front of your phone or you're going to get in front of your iPad, whatever you got, and you are going to record your personal testimony that you write out this morning. And then you're going to send it out on social media to all of your friends. And everyone just looked at me. And I went, see you later. And I walked off the stage. I had leaders coming up to me. But Chris, my coworkers are going to see this. Exactly. Exactly. I had students come up to me, well, I'm scared to death. What did I say? Fear? Midnight rolls around. I had gone up to my office to do mine, Steve. And I'm sitting in front. I had to do it a couple of times. I had to make sure my hair looked good. You know, I dress good. You know, I want to look right. And, and I mean, I wanted to make sure I said the right thing. So I, I did a couple of takes. I'm being honest, okay? I did a couple takes. I got it right, and I remember hitting send. I remember posting it. I remember the anxious feeling. I did it. I did it. You you can go see it. And then at midnight, I waited. And all of a sudden, I started seeing my student stories pop up. I stayed in my office till 3 in the morning. Listening to my students share their witness. And I wept like a baby. It was so good for me to hear what God had done in their life. I never heard it before. And then the comments started rolling in, right? And you know what we found out? Listen to this. Ninety percent of the comments our kids got on their testimonies I was like, "Oh my gosh, man, that's so cool. Thanks for sharing that. I had no idea. It was all positive. Bro, I'd like to talk to you more about that. Just we were blown away. We thought it would we were fearful it would be this negative thing, right? And we got some of that. We had some people say, "Well, I don't believe that at all." But it gave us an opportunity to talk with them. But 90% of it was all positive. Do you know what it was like the next week at school for my students? They were living the Christian life for the first time. Because they had people asking them, Hey man, good video. Hey man, thanks for sharing that. I love Jesus too. Hey man, I don't know God, but that was kind of cool. Thanks for doing that. I mean, that's what it was like at school for our kids. For the whole next week. So week four. I walk out on the platform. I say, here's the fourth week of the four-week challenge. I said, we're going to be in the Word of God another seven days. A whole month in the Word of God. Check that out. We're going to double our prayer lives again. I mean, that means that there's one dude praying four hours a day. Get your head around that. Just let that sink in. To the cerebran thing in your head. And then this week, you're going to sit down with three people that commented on your story. That said they wanted to talk to you about that or had no idea or were interested in going to church with you. We got a lot of that. And you're going to sit down with them at Starbucks, after practice, at your house, wherever. Go to their house. And and you're going to sit with them eyeball to eyeball. And and you're going to answer their questions. You're going to talk to them about your experience of knowing God. And you know what happened that week? Whoa, whoa, check this out. I did not give an invitation. I didn't have a big event. I didn't have to preach my guts out that week. Guess what happened? My students saw their friends start receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and they got to experience the joy of their salvation and sharing their witness and God takes over and saves people because of the faithfulness of His people. To go. And to do what? To preach the gospel. To share their testimony. The greatest week in 20 years of student ministry I've ever had, we saw hundreds of kids come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I didn't have to preach at all. Hey, look at me real quick. Here's the point. The point is this. The point is this. You got a story to tell. If God's changed you, the reason you had that experience wasn't to keep it to yourself. But it was to share it with the people you love. You know what I did the next month? That was in March. You know what we did in April? You want to hear something crazy? I ordered 60,000 Bibles. You should have seen the look on my pastor's face. We're going to do what? Write the check, big boy. 60,000 Bibles. Guess what? We got the Bibles. You know what we did? On all of our campuses, we got everybody together. Easter was coming up. See, I'm I'm, I'm halfway smart. Easter was coming up. People always think about God around Easter. They have to. So I thought, man, let's follow up this month long just unbelievable stuff and we saw some negative stuff don't get me wrong i mean there were some people who got mad and we couldn't answer their questions there's just some things you can't answer i mean you know we saw some of that but i'm telling you it was like this much compared to like this of what god was doing and i think that grew us too as a ministry but every single one of my students we we came together and we started writing down people in our life grandma teammate classmate whoever and we made a list of 20 people in our lives that didn't know Christ each. We did that over a couple of weeks. And we came together and we had a service. And we all took 20 Bibles and put them in our backpacks. We went back to our tables and we started writing notes to these people. Because here's the thing. The people you know and love aren't going to turn down a gift from you. They're just not. And we, wrote, we just wrote a letter to them that said, hey, this book has changed my life, and because you're my friend, because you're my mom, whatever, I wanted to share it with you. I hope you'll read it, and if you have questions, I love to talk with you about it. Sign your name. We we prayed over these Bibles and over our students on this during the service and then Easter week. We went to school, we went to our relatives, and we gave them a gift. And you know what? We didn't have anyone reject the gift. They took it. And guess what happened? More spiritual conversations happened as a result. Why are you giving this to me? This impacted your life? Tell me about this. On and on and on. And guess what? My students continued. Look at me. My students continued. To be the ministers that they were called to be. Guys, look at me. You will never experience the fullness of the Christian life until you step out and actively share your witness. Look at this, uh, look at this passage real quick, and we're going to wrap up. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Let your light or life shine before men, that they may see your good life, your good deeds, and glorify your Father. In heaven. Last point: not only are we to go, not only are we to share our testimony, proselytize, but lastly, we are to have confidence. Write that down: have confidence. You say, Chris, how do you know that? Look in the Bible real quick. The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 29. Jesus says to them. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded to you. And what's he say? Look at it. And surely I will be with you. You're not alone. When you share your faith, you are never alone. Jesus says, surely I am going to be with you always. Not some of the time. Not when it's good. He says, I'm going to be with you always. Till the end of of it all you can have confidence that through the good encounters and the bad that Jesus is always going to be with you and it doesn't change who Jesus is we have a responsibility to share our story look at me God saves people we don't but our responsibility is to share it is to go it is to be about those things now how many of y'all have ever played with a Rubik's cube before anybody? Yeah, that guy. I love Rubik's cubes, and I remember getting my first Rubik's cube when I was in the fifth grade. Now check this out, I was awful at it. Can I just tell you all that? And I was the guy, but but here's the thing, Rubik's cubes are addicting, okay? And so you'll find yourself, if you mess with a Rubik's Cube long enough, you'll find yourself just like, and then you throw it to somebody else, and they throw it back. You just kind of do it. I mean, it's just it's mind-boggling because we all want to win. We just keep doing the thing until we get it right. I've never met anyone who picked up a Rubik's Cube and, and did like two turns and went, I'm never touching that again. It's stupid. All right? I've never did just had it. They, they keep going back to it eventually to do it. And what I did is I just took mine apart and put it back the way I wanted to. All right? And then I was good. I felt good about myself. You can take them apart. I'll show you later. All right? So, but but that's what I did. It's like playing a video game. When you get a video game, you play the video game the first time. You're not very good at it, are you? But you don't quit playing the game. You play it for like eight hours until you get it right. And you're like, oh, dang, I'm pretty good at the thing. Hey, guys, look at me. Sharing your testimony You're going to have some times where it's not as fluid and easy as it can be. But if you'll stay at it, you get better at it. The more you share, the more confidence you get. The more you tell your story, the better you get at it. And the reason some of us are scared is because we've never taken the first step. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, Be strong and courageous, for wherever you go, the Lord your God shall go with you. When I was in college... They put all the basketball and baseball players in the same uh, apartment complex. It was kind of cool. And um, so I had another basketball player for a roommate, and I had two baseball players as roommates. We, we lived in a four-bedroom little thingy. I don't know what they're called, thingy. And um, one of my roommates' name was Chris, same name as me, Chris Berry. And he was the second baseman on our baseball team. And um, I was very different from my other roommates. None of my roommates knew God but me. And it was okay. I truly believed God put me there for a reason. And so they all knew what I was about. They knew I didn't party. They knew I didn't do drugs and drink out. They, they just knew all that about me. They, they just knew. And so when they throw the parties and everything, you know, I just... I'd just leave and and, I mean it wasn't I wouldn't I wouldn't be an antisocial I just couldn't be around that stuff it was just me and they knew that and then I would get up on Sunday morning and I'd clean up all their stuff from their party and I would get dressed and I'd go to church you know I just I just did my deal I I, I was just kind of me and I was confident in who I was. And, and this one morning I got up and, and Chris was was up and, and they had been out late the night before and he was laying on the couch when I got up and I was headed out. He's like, hey, man, where are you going? I was like, man, I'm going to church. I said, you want to go with me to church? He's like, nah, man, you go to church. I said, all right, man, I'll see you. And I just walked to the door, no big deal, he's my roommate. Next week I was in my room and he walked in he's like, love what are you doing? And I was just reading my Bible because that's just who I was. It's like, what you reading? I said, I'm reading the Bible. He goes, man, you like that stuff, don't you? I go, yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, and he just walked off. <laughs> Next Wednesday night, I was helping my youth pastor out on Wednesday nights there where I was playing ball. And, and uh, I would go up and help him out as a college student. And um, I was walking out one night. He's like, "Hey, where are you going?" I said, "I'm going to church again. I'm going to help my youth pastor friend out." Blah 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 blah. He's like, "I like, hey, you want to go?" No, I don't want to go. Well, all, right, all right, man. See you, Chris. I right, just take off. And No big deal. I mean, I was just living my life. I was just being me. Well, I'll never forget. This went on for a couple months of him just inquiring and us having these weird encounters in the apartment. And um, my youth pastor called me and he said, hey, man, we're having a uh, revival tonight over at Brookwood Baptist Church in Shreveport. And he said, all these churches are coming together. They're going to have a speaker guy thing. And could you come and help me with decision counseling? I said, sure, man, I'll come do that. Sure. So I got home from practice. I showered up. Um, I was walking out the door. And there was Chris on the couch. And it was like God said something in my heart. He said, man, ask him to go with you. So I said, hey, Chris, guess where I'm going? He goes, you're going to church, right? I said, yeah. I said, but I'm going to this different thing. And I told him about it. I said, hey, you want to go with me? He goes, yeah, I'll go. After months of him telling me, no, I don't want to go. He's like, yeah, I'll go. So all right, cool. Come on, man. So we hopped in my car and we drove out to Brookwood and we got there late, typical college kids. We got there late. We sat on the very back row. And uh this guy that was speaking like I'm talking to you was up there, and he presented the gospel and shared his story about how God had saved him. And and he told everyone in the room, he said, okay, he said, um, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. So I knew what was coming, and I was starting to get ready to go decision council. And he said, he said what you all expect him to say. He said, hey, if you don't know Christ, you want a relationship with him. Uh, man, you, would you raise your hand? And, and I remember sitting there and praying so hard that my friend Chris Berry would receive Christ. I remember just praying so hard. And I remember peeking, you know, out of my hand to see what he's doing, you know, to see if he's raising a hand like y'all did last night. And so um, so I remember peeking, and he didn't raise his hand. And I was kind of bummed. I'm going to be honest, all right? I was, I was a little bummed. And I continued to pray. I said, man, God, I know you got to And then the speaker guy said this. Hey, some of y'all came in here and you were brought by a friend. And I'm like, oh, that's me. He's like, you know what? If you brought a friend with you tonight, he goes, you're not a real friend. If you don't look at your friend right now and ask him if they want to go accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I, I begin to sweat. I was a little uncomfortable. I'll be honest. And I remember going, all right. And I I remember picking my head up, and I just looked at Chris Berry, and we were down the aisle. I didn't say a word. He was ready to go. He was just waiting on me. We got down the aisle. My youth minister's at the front, Frank Gunn. <laughs> and we get down there. And we go back into the decision counseling room, which I'm supposed to be a decision counselor. And at this point, I'm just crying. And so we go back, and we sit on these two metal folding chairs. i never forget it because Chris Berry was crying so hard. He had a big puddle underneath him. He was pulling his baseball hat down the whole time. And, and Frank looked at me, my youth pastor, that I was helping. And he said, hey, man, Chris, Chris Lovell, this is your friend Chris Berry. Why don't you lead him to Christ? And I got to pray with Chris that night. And he accepted Christ. And I want you to know his whole life changed. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, I, mean, I, I never went to church alone again in college. I mean, you know, I had a partner in crime. His habits changed. His desires changed everything. He, he went into the army. I went to seminary to get my master's. He went into the army after college. And we kind of lost touch. That's what happens when you get old. And I'll never forget, um, I had just moved back to Dallas. I had been in Dallas about three years, and my basketball team was playing for the state championship. And I remember uh, coming out. You know, you come out, you're so focused. I mean, it's hard to explain. You just kind of go into a zone, and you don't really notice people around. But one of my best friends, Mark McGarry, that played college basketball with me, him and Chris had gotten in touch that week just mutually. And Mark, my friend, was coming to the game and invited Chris to come with him. first, I didn't even know he was there. And so we ended up winning the game. And and that was fun. And we celebrated. It was fun. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It's a blast. But um, I remember, no big deal. I mean, and, and I remember, listen, I remember looking over and seeing Chris Berry for the first time in however many years, right? And I go over to him. Give him a big hug. Thank him for coming. Ask him, you know, what's going on in his life. All that stuff. Just real quick. We're taking pictures and doing all that mess. And I said, man, let's get together. I got to go. And he said, hey, Lovell. He said, I got to tell you something. I said, what? He said, man, just thank you for being a witness for me. I didn't shove it down his throat. I didn't. Bang him over the head with the Bible. I didn't, I just lived my life, guys. And I shared my witness with him through how I lived. When he asked, I answered his questions. I invited him to go to church. It was a very natural thing. And guess what? God was faithful to save his life. That's all I got. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Listen to the words of this song. In a world that's lost direction, in a time that's so unsure, I was longing for a refuge, a place my heart could feel secure. But every day would end just like the one before until someone took me by the hand and led me to the door. And the door is always open for all who will come in, though the path is sometimes hidden by the darkness caused by sin. And though countless lives have found their way, there's still so many more. Now it's clear what I'm on this earth for, to stand here. And help my friends find the door. God, tonight, I thank you for saving me. For giving me a story to tell. That no one can argue or debate. Because I know it's true. And dear Lord, in this room, there are students that know you as their Lord and Savior. And they love you. But fear has kept them crouched back. Fear has kept them at bay from sharing their story with the people they love. That don't know you. And I pray tonight. That you would give these students confidence. Confidence. That you would give them boldness. That you would give them a sense of urgency. To share their story with the people they love. Lord, I pray that you would move in this time of invitation. I pray that none of us would be able to deny your presence here tonight. And we would know exactly how to respond. And so with no one looking. Everyone praying. I would be remiss if I did not do this. But some of you have been putting off making a decision with Christ this week. And I want to give you an opportunity. The last night of camp to to settle that so we're going to do it just like we did last night but we're going to do it all at one time and so if you're in here tonight and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you say Chris I don't know God but I want to know God I want to I can't put it off anymore I can't resist it if that's you tonight in just a minute This invitation is for you. And we're only doing one invitation. It'll all be done at the same time. But this invitation is for you. Some of you in here know Christ and you need to renew your commitment to God. And if you're in here tonight and you say, man, I'm just spiritually dry. I need to renew my commitment to Christ. This invitation in just a minute is for you. If you're in here tonight and just based on what you've heard, Over the last 24 hours about baptism, you have not been baptized. And you say, man, I need to nail that down tonight. I need to make a decision to be baptized. Then here in just a minute with the other decisions, this invitation is for you. And then for anything else that's going on, some of you may feel called to go to the mission field. And I pray God does that. Some of you may feel called to share in some way I pray he does that but this invitation is for you too so one invitation for all of those things and I'll only give you 30 30 seconds to respond y'all know how I am I'm not going to beg you because if I have to beg you you probably don't need to do it and so if you're in here tonight hearing what has been spoken, the word being preached. If you don't know Christ tonight and you want a relationship with God or if you need to renew your commitment or if you want to be baptized or God's calling you out for something, this invitation for you is now. And so if that's you, when I count to three, I just want you to stand up. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. Go. Anybody say, that's me. I need to make a decision. I need to ask Jesus into my heart. I need to renew my commitment. I need to be baptized. God's calling me to something. Anybody else say, that's me. 30 seconds. We're not going to do this long. I know we had a lot last night. Anybody else? Amen. 15 seconds. Ten, nine. Amen. Eight, eight. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. If that's you just move over to my right, your left. Head over there, Steve's right over there on the other side of those doors. And I just want you to look them in the eye and tell them whatever God has spoken. And I praise God for that. If anybody else needs to move that way, just go. Just go with them. You don't have to stand with them to go. If you need to go, just leave the room. And For the rest of you in this room, if you're like me, all of you have someone in your life that doesn't know Christ. And man, you know who they are because God is just burning their face in your in your mind right now because you love them, you care about them. For some of y'all that's a family member, some of y'all it may be a teammate, maybe a best friend, maybe someone in one of your classes. And God may have spoken to your heart tonight to share with them so I want to give you some time tonight to pray to pray for your, the lost people in your life that you care about that God would give you the boldness to share your testimony, your story with them and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow you guys just to talk to God for about a minute or so just you and God If you would like to come kneel here at the front and pray for them, you can. If you want to turn around and kneel in your seat, you can do it right where you are. You can just stay where you're at. It's up to you. I'm going to give you about a a minute or two to to do that, and then I'll pray for all of us. But without anyone looking, just real quick, how many of y'all know someone by name in your life that doesn't know Christ, and you want them to know Christ? Anybody? Sure, all of us. You can put your hands down. Let's use this time to pray for them. Let's use this time to ask God, what is our role? What is our responsibility in that? Feel free to move. Let's pray. Go ahead. If you would like to come down here, you can, or turn in your seat. Just do whatever you want to do. For the next couple of minutes, we're just going to pray silently. friends with other people in this room that don't know Christ if you need to pray with someone in this room I want to encourage you to do that I just want to encourage you to take advantage of this time and, and if at any point you need to make a decision or talk with someone just to head out the doors We're going to spend just a little bit more time praying and I'm going to wrap it up for us. Okay? So if you need to get with someone and pray for a friend or a loved one, or it would be good for you to pray with someone about that, do that now. God, tonight we thank you. I want to thank you for loving us so much that you gave your one and only Son that whosoever believes in you shall not perish but have the gift of everlasting life. I thank you for the power of the cross, the power of salvation unto all who believe. And, dear Lord, I thank you for these students and what you've done in their hearts this week, dear Lord. We don't take credit for that. That is all you. And, dear Lord, my prayer is that you would continue to move in all of their lives. That they would be more committed than ever before to their relationship to you. They would be in the word of God more than ever. That they would talk with you through prayer more than ever. Dear Lord, that they would seek to be your witnesses more than ever. And dear God, for the lost people in our lives, let us not rest on someone else. But dear Lord, give us confidence to share our story and love of how you've changed us, dear God. May we live our lives before people that they see a difference in us so much that they want to know what that is about. I pray that you would use these students to be the witnesses you've called them to be. I pray for their loved ones that don't know Christ or God, that they would be impacted by the stories in this room. Lord, that you would reveal yourself in such a way to them that they would not be able to resist you. The way that we may see students and family members surrender their hearts to you, dear God, that, that maybe you would save them, dear Lord. We pray for that. Dear Lord, thanks for being so good to us tonight. And we enter a time of worship now because you're worthy to be praised. Our hearts are full because of what you're doing in this place. just like you told the disciples go into all the world preach the gospel make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded unto you and surely I will be with you always until the very end of it all.